Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Turn your Bibles to James 4. James 4. Great time of the year. Love Christmas time. Things are coming up. You saw the gift giving uh, for the the angel tree, not angel tree, giving tree. Uh, Gifts are fixing to go out. Stuff if you want to serve, sign up to deliver some gifts. Great life-changing event for you to do that and be a blessing. We appreciate your generosity and all that. Uh, Services coming up the next couple weeks. The kids program next week. You want to come. All of your family together. It's going to be a great time. The next week is really our Christmas message on the 20th, so make sure you're inviting family and friends to hear the Christmas message, and then um, we're looking forward to candlelight. That's got to be perhaps maybe one of my top three services of the year. I love the candlelight service, so make plans now. Make a part of your family's tradition to be with us on the 24th. Great opportunity to share the love of Jesus. Hey, we are in part three. This is the final installment of our series called Questions. Uh, You know, in the Bible, when you study uh, Jesus walking with his disciples, a lot of the messages that he taught, the things that he shared were... Uh, based on questions people would ask him, mainly to disciples, and so he would devote some time to explain them to them. So it's important to, to take some of the questions that we have from time to time and, and apply the word to them. Uh, just kind of over the year, I get all kinds of questions, as you can imagine. So I kind of selected three that I hear the most of. La- the first week, not last week, but the first week, we talked about how to share your faith. And it's important. That's something we're all supposed to do. It's not just up to the pastor, the preacher, the, the staff member. All of us are supposed to be witnesses for Jesus. Amen? It's not always the easiest thing to do, but we saw some ways that we can engage in that. Uh, you can go back and you can get that. You can watch it on stream. Uh, last week, we talked about how to change. How, how does the Bible say that we can bring change in our life? Uh, we know that uh, we, we have things that we need to work out, things that probably we should change, need to change. Uh, you don't need me telling you that. I, the Holy Spirit's telling you that. And, and so there's a way to do that. All of it's based on the Bible. That's the only way change works. Change is lasting based on the scripture, application of the scripture. And so this morning, we're going to wrap up the series, What's God's Will for My Life? How can I know God's will for my life? Now, by no means can I stand up here and tell you exactly what that is, but my job as a pastor is not to tell you what to do, what not to do, per se, is to point you to the one who will. Amen? The Holy Spirit. I want, I want you to engage the person and working of the Holy Spirit in a greater capacity, and as you do that, you'll understand, again, the things that you're to be about to do and not to do in life. And so my hope today is to uh, put some framework around how we can understand God's will for our life, and then how we can apply it, because being in the will of God is far better than being out of the will of God. And really, our will needs to be in line with his will, amen? That's the best possible life, and really, it's what we all want. Now, here's what I like about that question. How can I know God's will for my life? Uh, That's a powerful question because really, honestly, if if we just really were, were to be honest for just a moment completely, a lot of us really aren't even asking that question. We're really asking, how can we get God's blessing on my will? I mean, really, I mean, that's just the truth of it, myself included from time to time. That's really, but if we break everything down, peel everything away, really, that is what the question typically falls to be to you and I. But we need to understand God has a plan that's far better than our plan that already is blessed by him, amen? And it's far better to get on board with that, find out what it is and get on board with that, then create our own and then ask his blessing on it. Because understand, God's not gonna bless anything outside of his will. God's not going to bless anything outside of his word. And a lot of times that's our frustration, trying to figure out where are you at, God, what's going on in life. And so uh, the best thing we could do uh, with our life is to live with 
our lives and surrender to God's will. That's the best thing. James 4, 13 through 15 says this. Now listen, you who say, so there's people that are saying, people that are talking about things they're gonna do, things are gonna be about. Today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city or that city. We'll spend a year there. We'll carry on business. We'll make some money. That's my goal in life. That's my, my, my mission, my, my vision. That's the will for my own life. And listen to 14. It says, why do you, uh, why, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? Why are you living that way? Nothing is permanent here. Everything on the earth is temporary and we're living our life pursuing things that are temporary. What is your life? And really, the, it's really, it's a great, powerful question. What is your life anyways? Let's say it that way. It is pursuing temporary things that perhaps are, they're, they're important to us, but re- really in the scope of eternity may, only, may not even have great significant value. And he's asking us to examine our life in line with the decisions that we're making and trying to understand what's of greatest value And he goes on to say this, you are a mist. Well, can you back up for just a second? It says, you are a mist, or another translation would say a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. You're pursuing things that are temporary. And to really understand that picture of mist or vapor, if you will, it is the picture of if you were boiling water on the stove and you would see some steam rise. And you only really can see it for a minute. It's there and it's gone. It's there, it's gone. And really, that's the picture he's trying to convey to you and I about our life. Make sure we're focused on what really matters. And he goes on to say this. Instead of looking at the temporary, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. We're going to do the things that God wants us to do. We need to be about what the Lord wants us to be about. And really for our life, it, it are questions like, and some major questions like, uh, who do I marry? Who does God have for me? Or what, is, what, what should I do for a job or occupation? Should I take this job? Should I move or relocate? Uh, where do I live? And these are questions that we see that make up our life. But notice again, he's really trying to get us to look beyond the temporary things when we're looking for God's will and looking what, look at what is of greatest importance. 1 John 2, 17 says this, the world and its desires are important and necessary, what you're doing every day, they, but they pass away, they won't remain forever. But whoever does the will of God will live forever. When you follow the plans, purposes, will of God, the life you live has greatest impact for eternity. It will live on, the things you do will live on, and that's who we wanna be, people that what we do makes a difference that will live on forever. That person lives forever. But I know many of you are in a decision dilemma today. In fact, if I was to ask you to raise your hand if you have an important decision that you're needing to make today, then probably most of our hands would go up. I know that we live that way. Uh, and really, our lives are full of questions that we need answers to. And from the time we're little kids to, to the time that we are uh, adults, that changes, of course. And you get old enough, you're, you're looking at where, you know, where are you going to go to school. You're graduating high school. Up until then, there's a lot of things that you don't decide. But where you want to go to school or where do you want to study or what do you want to study? What job do you want? Then when you get out, you know, where do you want to live or do you want to buy a house? Do you want to rent a house? Who, who should you marry? Should you marry this person or that person? Uh, you know, should, things, should you get a dog? Should you get a cat? <laughs> I can help you with that one. Dogs are from heaven, cats are not. I'm just not the, they're evil. And just, I got booed out by a bunch of cat people in first service. I don't know, I don't know what that was. But anyway, so, but you know what I'm talking about. There's just decisions we make and we're trying to hear God's voice in all of it. And so how do I know God's voice? Let me encourage you in John 10, you can go read that chapter for yourselves, but John 10 is a great chapter. And it says that his sheep, those who call Christ their Lord, know his voice. He is the good shepherd he's speaking to God's people. And the voice of a stranger, they'll say no to, they'll say no to the voice of the enemy. So how do I tune in to that voice? 
And let me start by just giving you uh, a couple of ideas. There's, there's really a, a lot of ways that we've pursued to know the will of God. There's a lot of things, a couple of bad methods that I don't recommend, but probably we've all done at some point in time. Let me give you two of them. Number one would be this, a fleece. You know what a fleece is? Okay, God, if this is really what you want me to do, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna do this. If it's really what you want me to do, then when I wake up this morning, it'll be raining. I know it hasn't rained in five months, but if you really want me to do that, Lord, then I'm gonna wake up and that's gonna happen, or I need a sunshiny day or, or something. Or like the man that I heard that, that told the Lord he was on his way to work and was hungry and, and thought, Lord, if, I, if it's your will and, uh, and I need to stop here at Krispy Kreme, get a dozen donuts, then you'll open up a parking space right in front of the front door. Well, after his fourth time around the block, suddenly a space opened up. He said, I hear you, God, I hear you. That's right. I mean, that's funny, but that's kind of how a lot of us live, to be honest with you. We will keep doing things, and then we get it or trying to justify things. Uh, another way that we kind of try and find out what God has for us or his will is the, the, the open and point, right? The Bible. I just need a word from the Lord. I, just show me something in your word, God. Give me a scripture. And I'm laughing because I've done this. I open up the Bible, right? You open up the Bible, Lord, and I just know you have something. Just direct me to something here. And you open up the Bible and you point, but you got to be really careful with that because there's some weird stuff in the Bible. I mean, there just really is. And you could end up like this guy who opened up the Bible and it landed on 2 Samuel 10, where Therefore, Hanun took David's servants and shaved off one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. How would you like to land on that one, right? <laughs> I can say that word. It's in the Bible right there, okay? I'm, I'm just saying that. So he thought he'd do it again. Well, that's not going to work. Let's try another one. Then he landed on Luke 10, 20, 26. Do this and you will live, <laughs> all right? <And> that, okay. <laughs> but the reality is a lot of us do that. And really, when we find out something that really works, it was because that had been jumping around in our, in our spirit man already, right? And we knew where to find that. It was there. And we laugh at that, and, but reality is a lot of us try and live our life that way. We're, we're not really understanding how it is that we find God's will for our life. And so uh, the, the question I get a lot is this, is God's will a broad, a real broad and general thing, or is it a real specific thing in my life? Is it specific? Is it narrow? Um, like this one, like, is there just one person for me to marry? Because if I, if I miss it, I don't marry the right person, then I totally messed it all up. It's like the domino effect. Then the person I was supposed to marry, that person marries the wrong person, and people start disappearing, and all of a sudden we change history or something like that. Or the person that says, you know what, it's appointed that one day every man will die. It's appointed one day every man will die. And we've heard this all the time. Well, when it's your time, it's your time. Well, okay. But what about when I get on the plane? Is it the pilot's time? I mean, because I don't know about that, right? Only when they're on the ground. That's only when that counts. But nonetheless, it's, we have this, I don't know what, what we're, we're wanting some specific things from God. And so let me create some framework for you because I believe there's two parts to this. The first part I want to give you is the theology of God's will, if you will. I'm going to create a frame for you, a framework, a zone. Uh, think of it like maybe a, a soccer goal or think of it like, I don't know if you play golf. I was talking to a guy uh, last weekend that uh, was coming here to tree, pretty, pretty new that is a golfer. And so kind of, that's kind of illustration stuck in my mind. Think of it like you're teeing off the tee box and, and you're hitting the ball down the fairway, and the fairway is the part of the course that's really well kept, and the grass is, is not very tall, and, and it's, the game is easier in the fairway. And then outside of that 20 or 30 yards wide fairway is the rough. They don't keep it up at all, and the grass is really tall, and that's where I spend most of my time. But anyways, but in life, it's probably where a lot of us spend most of our time. And isn't it funny? That's why it's called the rough. <laughs> it's not easy over there, and we want to get in the fairway where life is easier. I want to create 
some framework, and hopefully it'll help us stay in the fair way so life will be a little easier in following what God has for us to move down the course, if you will, of life and stay out of the rough. And we find ourselves in the rough to kind of move our way back over into the fairway. It's a lot harder in the fairway. In fact, a lot of people when they're playing golf, if they're, it's a lot easier in the fairway, harder in the rough. If they're in the rough, they won't even try and move forward. They'll just try and get it back in the fairway. And that's hope what our decisions are today. So uh, theologically, there's a zone, if you will. Let me create uh, one side of the frame for you. Some boundaries would be this. One side would be the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God. That would be one side of the fairway, one boundary. Now, the sovereign will of God means this. It's what God is doing on the earth, or what is God doing on the earth? In other words, God's already up to something, and do I know what it is, and am I cooperating with it? See, God's moving all the time. God's moving here on the earth. You realize that. He's moving right now, currently. And so if he's doing something, something's on his heart, then it wouldn't it just make sense for you and I to find out what that is, understand what it is, and then be a part of that. We need to be cooperating with what God's will is. Let me say it like this. God's will for our lives is never outside of his will or what he's doing. God's will for our lives is never outside of what he's doing on the earth. They coincide. They coexist. They work together. And part of our problem, I think, at times is we're not doing what God's doing. I mean, let's just be honest. What is God doing? Okay, let me say this. Today, God has has gathered a bunch of people together. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Come into the local church. There, there, there's spiritual experiences, a spiritual encounter happening here today. It's what God is doing. And so we need to cooperate with that. I had a brief discussion with a man before first service and talking about a gentleman we hadn't seen in a while. And he said, you need to pray for him. And, and he's just going through some times. I said, man, I, I am, I will, and I understand that, but I haven't seen him in a while. And you know, God's doing some things here. And I think if he would come and not lay out, but be consistent and get in here, I think life would be better. He'd have more answers to life. Why? Because isn't it interesting how clear life becomes when you're doing what God is doing, when you cooperate with his will. There's already things he's doing on the planet. Some of us are missing what God has because we're sitting back waiting for him to show us and it's happening all around us. And that's why I wanted to give a big shout out to the all-star team and all the people that are working. Why? Because God's doing something here and they're cooperating with what God's doing. And if you were to ask any of these all-star team members that are, that are cooperating with what God's doing, I will guarantee you they'll have more clarity on what God has for their life than not because of cooperating with the sovereign will of God. What is God doing? Remember when Jesus uh, taught us to pray, he didn't give us a prayer to memorize and just speak it out. He gave us a prayer outline, the Lord's Prayer. And he said this, he said, before you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Before I pray about my needs, he said, pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Be about what God's about first. When that's one of your boundaries and you stay within that, it'll help create more clarity for God's will in your life. The other side of the frame, the other border, the other fairway, if you will, is the moral will of God. The sovereign will of God is what God is already doing and you need to cooperate with that. The moral will of God can be defined as what God has already said in his word. What has God already said in his word? In other words, God is already vocal on some topics. So align yourself with what he's already doing and with what he says in his word. You realize God's word is his will. Just wondering what God's word is. We'll get in the Bible. It's very clear, very plain. So we need to operate and cooperate, if you will, with what God is already doing, and then we need to operate by God's word or by God's will. That's our framework. So within that framework, we'll get more of a specific target in just a moment. But listen, until we get those things in line, we're living life in the rough. 
If we can figure out what God's doing and cooperate with him, if we can look more into the word and line our life up with it, then guess what? We're gonna have more clarity on the specific plan God has for our lives. So we create this framework or these boundaries for you and I to operate in. And understand this, he will never have a will for your life outside of what he's doing already on the earth or outside of his word. His word is his will. Can I say I'm amazed at some things that people tell me sometimes, and I don't mean any disrespect here. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe they haven't been taught. But when people come up a lot of times and tell me that they feel that God has, has shown them something, given them something for their life, and that's outside of God's word, I have a problem with that. Why is God gonna bless something outside of his word? He's not gonna do it. But we'll justify it because we'll feel good, we'll talk ourselves in, we'll convince. But listen, you may not like what his word says, but it is his will. And whether you like it or not, it's the best for you. Because he's a good God and a faithful God and you can trust him with your life. But I'm amazed at how sometimes when people will come and talk about things, and the first thing I'll ever do is someone sit down and talk to me about something, first thing I'll do is show me in the word. Show me in the Bible. What are you standing on? First thing I'll do in response is let's take a look and see what the Bible says. Because I don't know what God's will for your life is specifically, but I know what the Bible says. Or we can find it and help us stay within the boundaries and help us stay within that framework. Uh, my family, uh, this weekend, we were in uh, around Tyler, Texas. Uh, my daughters were in a wedding, a very close family uh, to us. Um, Callie and I went up, um, I think Thursday, Jessamy and Cameron went up a day early to help set up, get everything ready, and then Callie and I came back late last night. The wedding was at four yesterday. Drove home so we could be here with you guys this morning. Uh, Cameron and Jessamy coming home today. Very close to the family, but it made me really think about a lot of things. My daughters were bridesmaids, and I was bawling like they were the bride. They're, look, look, they're coming down, and I thought they were gonna have to, hey, you're disturbing the wedding. I mean, look, the, the bride's family's not even crying. Can you get out of here or something? I don't know, I was like, what's my daughters? And I was thinking about that one. I just almost spin on the front row. I was thinking about that, that, that moment and what it would be like. And, and, and I was thinking, praying for the one God has for my daughters. And, and, but here's what I know. It won't be somebody unequally yoked. Why? Because that's outside the bounds of God's word. And I don't believe in missionary dating. I don't believe in you trying to, I'm going to date you so I know I can change you. I know I can get you saved. I know, hey, let me tell you this, ladies. Let me tell you this right now. Missionary dating does not work. You don't want to date an ungodly man anyways. You don't want to date an ungodly leader anyways. You need to wait because they'll say whatever and then once I do, once they put a ring on it, then they're going to go back and be exactly how they were before. I'm just telling you why. Because it's outside of God's word. Don't do that. So we're creating a framework. What is God already doing? And let's get involved with that. Let's cooperate. And let's look at God's word and let's help it frame the other side of our boundary. And let's stay within there and let us play the game of life, if you will, a little easier than instead of from the rough. Because the question we're all trying to answer is what is God's personal will for my life? The personal will of God. What God desires for my life. And it's where the questions are that we live. What am I supposed to do? And let me understand this, or let me help you understand, God does have a plan for you. You may be lost or wandering aimlessly, but it's not because God does not have a plan. He has a plan. Let's look at Psalms 139, 15 through 16 real quick. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, God before one of them ever came to be. Do you know that he had a plan for your life before you were ever here, before you ever drew a breath, before you were ever conceived? God has a will for your life. 
That's amazing. Before you were ever a thought of anything came into being and existed in any way, shape, or form, he had a plan for you. He's a good and faithful God, and he's got a great plan for your life. So God has a personal plan for you. It is what he desires. But here's the key. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God, the better I will discern the personal will of God for my life. Say they put a framework to my life and I need to reside within it. And so we need to understand that. Life is easier played in that framework. So we need to ask ourselves two questions in light of that. Let me give you the first one concerning the moral will of God. What am I doing that I should not be doing? You need to ask yourself that question every day. You want to know what the will of God is, and we're talking about the moral will of God and getting your life in line with that of the word. What am I doing that I should not be doing? And really, again, we should ask ourselves that every day. The second question would be this. Every day, ask yourself, what am I not doing that I should be doing? And that's more about the sovereign will of God. Am I cooperating with what God is doing here on the earth? And again, the easy, obvious example for me is the all-star team, serving, participating, being a part of what God's doing here. So we need to ask ourselves those questions. And so let's be honest and ask those every single day. What am I doing that I should not be doing? And what am I not doing that I should be doing? And so again, my job is not to tell you what that is, but to point you to the one who can, the Holy Spirit. So let's understand here, that when you put yourself back in the zone, back in the framework of the fairway, that the personal will God has for your life becomes a lot clearer. Let's take a look at 1 John 4. 1 John 4 for just a second. Here's what it says. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Now hold on to that for a second. But test, say test. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So I'm staying within the framework of the sovereign will of God, cooperating with what God's already doing, and the moral will of God, staying in line with his word. So how do I know the personal will of God for my life? The Bible says you have to test it. And we're going to look at six tests that will help us understand God's personal will for our lives. He said, don't just believe every unction. We can say it this way. Every impression, every leading, every gut feeling, every intuition, Whatever we would say that I'm just feeling this, he says, don't necessarily just go by that, but test it to see if it is from God. And so obviously there's some ways to test those feelings and those leadings inside of us. And let me give you six ways to test that. And so before I do, I want to say, use all six, use all six. If you will use all six, you will get a clearer picture. If you'll stay within God's sovereign will and cooperate with what he's already doing, you'll stay within his moral will and get your life in line with the word and you'll put to the test, these six tests, the leadings and guidings within you, the impressions within you, the unctions within you, the witness, however you want to say that, then you will have more clarity in finding out the personal will of God for your life. And so I'm going to give you some things that I see in the word of God that we can do to test that. And again, I would say put Put your feelings through all six of these. Don't just go by one. Number one, am I in a right relationship with God? We're going to get real practical so you can apply this to life. Am I in a right relationship with God? Now, we just talked about that. But am I in the rough or living in the rough or am I in the fair way? And so start by saying, before I make a decision, here's what we need to do. I'm going to see how close to God I can get. Before you make a decision, you know what we need to do? We need to see how close to God we can get because here's what happens. We're trying to get God to speak to us when we're far away from him. Man, I love you, God, and I know I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, but can you just help me out and give me some direction here? 
Well, you got the sovereign will. I'm already doing something here on the planet, Don. Why don't you get on board with that? And you got my moral will. When's the last time you picked up the Bible and saw what's happening and got life in line with the word? Then we wouldn't be at this place. <laughs> God doesn't really necessarily respond that way, but reality is that's truth, right? I mean, he's given us his sovereign will and his moral will. So you and I, the closer we get to God and our relationship with him, the more we'll live out of that relationship. We'll have more clarity. Am I in a right relationship? Understand, we're asking him to show us stuff that if we are not in a right relationship, you are not going to see it. Thank God for his grace and mercy, but he has an expectation for you to live a life in pursuit of him. Amen? Amen. Uh, That's why in January, we'll start 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. Why do we do that? So we can get closer to God for the upcoming year. We have some big decisions to make in 2016. We need to start the year getting as close to God as we possibly can. So we set aside 21 days to pray and fast, to draw closer to God and draw further away from the world. Why? Because we need to know what his will is for us as individuals and for this church. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind by growing closer, drawing closer to God. Transformation will come. Then, say then, when you become closer to God, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, which is what we all want, but it won't happen without drawing closer to him. So let God change you on the inside by getting closer to him. Number two, What does the Bible say? We talked a little bit about that already too. This is a big deal. Am I considering something outside of God's word? You know, appointments of people to come see me would dwindle drastically if before they would get the Bible out and find out if what they're doing is outside of God's word. Now I'm happy to meet with them, but I'm gonna point them back to God's word. Listen, lessons for all of us. God's word is true. God's word is true remains. Uh, Again, let's take a look at Luke 21, 33. Let me just go ahead and share the scripture with you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, say never, never pass away. I don't care if we live in a different culture. I don't care if it's a different generation. I don't care what is being legislated today because the world has changed. God changes not. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, forever and ever and ever, it is the only thing that will never pass away. You can trust God's word, take him at his word. But you know what, we're afraid to get into it because we don't wanna be convicted by it or we don't wanna see what we've been doing is wrong. Listen, have courage to get in his word and and filter what you're doing through his word and get your life back in line because his way's better than any way you could ever hope, imagine, or dream. Look at the word of God, the word of God. And again, I'm, a, I'm amazed, and I don't want to keep belaboring this point, but I'm amazed that even churches and, and denominations, some of the decisions they're making today, and I'm like, man, show me that in the Word. Show me that in the Word. Because you can't violate the Word and be in His will. And His will is where we want to be. And I want to say this, we at Tree Life are not following culture, we're following God's Word. Amen? That's what we believe. Number three, what would Jesus do? WWJD. Wasn't just a passing fad. How many of you guys got those bracelets? Come on. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. It's all right. Okay. All right. And the reality is those were worn so that when you got into a situation, you need to make a decision. If you would look at that and be reminded, you need to react in the spirit of Jesus. What would Jesus do? It is good. It's a good thing to do. So we ask ourselves the question, if I did this, does it carry the spirit of Jesus? Oh, we'd make a lot of different decisions if we filtered it that way. 
We put it to that test. If I do this, will it carry the spirit of Jesus? James 3, 14 through 17. Let's look at both sides. If you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, those aren't the things of Jesus. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but as earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where, where you have envy and selfish ambition, you find disorder in every evil practice. That is not the spirit of Jesus. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, the spirit of Jesus. Then peace-loving, the spirit of Jesus. Considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. It is the spirit of Jesus that we are to filter, to test things by. Is this decision pure? Is this decision peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is this decision full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere? What would Jesus do? Does it carry the spirit of Jesus? Number four, have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel? Have I found someone in my life that loves God and have I asked them, what do you think? Again, you probably, every message you should hear me, if I don't, you should hear me say, you need to get in life groups. You need to build relationships with other believers. And I'm talking about people that love God and follow God. Don't ask worldly people to give you an answer you're trying to find out from God. We just saw why, right right there. But you need to get around godly people, and you need to be a godly person to somebody that will point them to the relationship, that will point them to the word, amen, that will point them to the spirit of Jesus. Listen, I'm thankful for the men and women I have in my life, the executive pastors, the elders, the trustees, the staff, my mentors, the overseers. I'm thankful. I have an opportunity to run stuff by them all the time. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. They help me, will filter it based on these tests. Now listen, you may ask and you may do it, and you may not do it, but you at least need to ask and consider it. You may do what they're saying, you may not do what they're saying, but you at least need to ask and consider it. I'm thankful for the people in my life that helped me. Understand this, not every good thing is a God thing. You might be surprised, you might not be surprised to hear of all the opportunities that come our way at Tree Life Church. I mean, we do a lot, and we're a blessing, and we're doing as much as God is is enabling us, empowering us to do, believe me, but listen, we cannot do everything that comes our way, and so we have to filter it, test it somehow, and believe me, I want to do every good thing that comes my way. I want to meet every need I possibly can, but it's not God for us to meet all of them. There's things that we're to be about. I'm thankful for God. The counsel will help us stay on track, help me stay on track. Proverbs 11, 14 says this. For lack, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Again, don't do any one of these things. Do all six. Number five, and this can be a tricky one. Do I sense God's peace? Follow after peace, the peace that passes understanding. In the midst of chaos and confusion and fear, you can still have peace, a godly peace. And all throughout the Old and New Testament, God did not speak to people in a stormy, windy, loud, booming voice. He speaks to us in a still, small voice. He's not going to compete. He's not going to shout. He doesn't have to. He's God. It's our responsibility to position ourselves to listen. Follow after peace. Do not violate peace. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of peace. Now let me say this concerning peace. You can't always go along with, well, I just feel good about this in my heart. <laughs> I'm sorry that I laugh, but I've said that and I hear people say that all the time. Really, you feel good about that in your heart? But don't you realize that's outside of God's word? (laughs) Come on, 
I mean, I'm trying to help you here, all right? So we're trying to find God's will here. And your heart can lead you astray. Your feelings and your emotions. You know what? You can be so convinced of what you want to do, you can be deceived to thinking it's the right thing. That's why, hey, I have a piece about it. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, Pastor Don, I have a piece about it. I'm like, I don't see that in the word of God. Well, I'm sorry, I'll have a piece about it. If it doesn't work, I'll just repent. I'm like, okay, but there's consequences to be outside the word of God. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Peace, sometimes it's that feeling that we want to say because we want something so bad we can justify it. We can deceive ourselves. That's why you need all six tests. But peace is a good evaluator. So make sure that you're following looking after peace because maybe you just convinced yourself it was right or you tried to justify something. But let me say this, if it does not line up with God's word, it doesn't matter how good you feel about it if it does not line up with God's word. He will never violate his word. All right, let me give you the last one. Number six, is it my will or God's will? Ask this every time. Is it my will or God's will? I'm trying to give you some practical applications, six tests to help you more clearly discover God's personal will for your life within the framework, within the fairways of God's sovereign will, what he's already doing and his moral will, what his word says. We need to ask ourselves every day, is it my will or God's will? Every day, not my will, God, but your will be done in my life. I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want to do before you leave the house. Because you'll be confronted with choices all day long. But before you leave the house, say, today, on my day, God, I want to do what you want me to, not what I want to do. Help me understand. Help me discern that. Jesus modeled this beautifully for us the night before he went to the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says, Matthew 26, 39, says this. Going a little farther, he fell, Jesus, on his face to the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed, my father, if it is possible, if I don't have to go and suffer, if I don't have to go be tortured, if I don't go have to face this horrible death, may this cup be taken from me, yet without hesitation, yet not my will, but your will be done. Love the heart of Jesus. There was so much pressure, so much stress there. The Bible says he was sweating great drops of blood. But yet, I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do, God. I want to be in your will, God. There's no better place to be than in the will of God. Start every day and say, I want what you want. I surrender my will to your will. And let's not be the ones that don't want God's will, but want our will and ask God to bless it. And let's not be the ones that want God's will conditionally. If you do this, I'll do this, God. And make no mistake about it, there's a lot of people that live that way, a lot of Christians. You can't live that way and know the will of God. The only way to know the will of God is to live a life surrendered to him. Last verse, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple... He must deny themselves, surrender everything, take up their cross daily, every single day, and follow me. Stay in the fairway. Test every decision based on these six things, all six things, and you will find more clarity in your life in pursuit of God's will than ever before. Stay at least within the boundaries of God's moral will. What does the Bible say in God's sovereign will? What is he doing? At least get involved in those things. That's the starting point. Start there. Cooperate with what he's already doing. Get your life in line with the word of God. Get back in the fairway. Get back into the fairway. And then you can focus on these tests and find more clarity than you've ever experienced before. Here's what I know. God is a good God and he's got a good plan for your life. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. 
You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.